I live in Israel. This season is dedicated to the memory of the 1,400 of my countrymen who were massacred on October 7th, and the 240 people that were kidnapped and are being held hostage by the terrorist organization Hamas. Hopefully they will be returned to their families as soon as possible, and hopefully this terrible war will be able to come to a peaceful end very soon. Welcome to Minute 31 of Season 6 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we take a Capra-esque journey through the 1946 classic, It's a Wonderful Life, One Minute at a Time. I'm Rob, and joining me today is Niall McGowan of The Bat Minute. Welcome back to the show. Oh, wait a minute here. I don't have your guest spot here. It's 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 at Rob's house, and it's in it's in John's house, and it's in it's in a hundred houses all over this town. <laughs> That's great. That's I'm hoping great. that landed as a Jimmy Stewart. Yes, it did. It did. It was that was that was a great <laughs> impression. Nicely done. Yeah, yeah. Nicely done. Yes. That's I, I, I thought I thought I was actually talking to him, even though these you know the, these are minutes that were, that are going to happen uh, you know in a few weeks. From now what you're talking about but but still that's good because i i don't know if this week there really is anything you could have said that would have been uh that would have sounded like uh it would have you know a good jimmy story into uh, you but been like yeah exactly. uh, you think these people don't have anything better to do than to come on but, but i do <laughs> exactly. rant at you in the middle of the show <laughs> that's great all right so minute 31 begins with the chairman wishing George well, and ends with Billy retorting to Potter's comment. Hmm. So basically, we, we, you know, we had a very sad week last week. Last week, uh, you know, uh, Paul Bailey had a stroke and died. And, you know, we, we ended the week with, uh, we get to see George and, and Billy in this conference room with, with the whole group of, of people on the board. And, you know, they basically uh, we're, we're, we continue with that conversation today where the chairman is shaking George's hand and says, good luck to you. It's dual, George. And then you hear two people in the crowd go, good luck, George. Goodbye, George. And, you know, I, lo- I looked around and it, it's really interesting because, um, first of all, the, the room that they're in is very crowded. You know, yeah. it, it does not look like this is meant to be. A room for this is not a conference room. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I guess it makes sense though with the building alone. It's just like, yeah, it's not built for everything about it is small. Like it's, it's you know, it's not supposed to be a big operation. It's supposed right. to be the the underdog, the perpetual underdog. So yeah, it's not even equipped to have a, like a on mass meeting. Like it's only really just like you know you can have a meeting of about like four people. Right. Yeah. Well, why would you ever need a meeting with more than four people? Because yeah, this um. Right. Pa Bailey just never thought that he would, this would have. I guess it, it didn't occur in his lifetime. So do you, do you uh, think? Do you think this is this is Pa Bailey's uh, office? Yeah, I believe so. I believe so. Because and then, think... but I also believe it's it's very um, it's typical and very gutsy, uh, and just quite frankly a little rude. That like I, I believe this is his office, and Potter has basically taken what seems to be the primo seat. Like that seems like that's oh that's where the office holder would sit. 
Uh, no, but, but like, I mean, yeah. that's, that is his, um, I mean, that's his wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair there. Oh, no, it's not so much, it's not so much the actual chair that he's in. It's the, it's the positioning in the office. It's kind of has the vibe of like where he's facing. That would be like, oh, if you were here professionally, this is where you'd put your chair. Like, right. like you ran the place, basically. I think in his mind, it's kind of like, well, I am going to be running this place. So, yeah, you would put me where Pa Bailey would have sat, which is a bit presumptuous because he's supposed to be a guest on the premises, you know. Right. It's true. Uh, and, I mean, did you notice that there's a picture of Pa Bailey in on the wall now? I did, yeah. It's, it's yeah. so, like, it's one of those old-fashioned portraits that, like, I don't know if people do that anymore, where it's kind of like movie. Like, it looks more like this is a headshot. Correct. An old timey headshot of the actor, <laughs> rather than like you know now that people just do like a proper like little smile to camera and stuff. But like I almost miss those kind of like yeah, very sweeping romantic portraits that people will do where they just look very dynamic and they're doing like a very pensive pose, staring off into something <laughs> way off in the distance that we never see. But um, yes, yes, I, I did. I, I I noticed and appreciated uh, Paul Bailey's <laughs> is is a picture there. I mean, because I mean, we'll find out. Over the course of, of, of this week, I think David mentioned it uh, today, you know, that, that it's been three months. Yeah, they mentioned later today that, that he's been dead for three months. So, I mean, that, mm. first of all, that on the one hand, that's a long time. On the other hand, that's a very short time. Yeah. You know, yeah. because it, it's a long time for them to be debating or discussing what they're going to do with the building and loan. Mm. You know, you have the person who's been running the place uh uh, I guess relatively quite well over, or, you know, over the years, and we will find out also over the course of this week how long they've had the building alone. loan. But what what what's very interesting here is that you know George has taken off the summer. I mean, again, we'll we'll get into the dialogue, which will explain all these things anyway. But basically, George has foregone his vacation or his trip mm-hmm. around the world before college, and he decided that he is. You know, he's there to settle things at the building alone, which makes sense because he was there beforehand. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he was working there while they were waiting to to, to get in. You know, so it, yeah. it makes sense. I, I would say, too, like, um, well, I would imagine what happened, too, like, you know, saying about three months being a, a long time or a short time. Uh, I can imagine there's unseen scenes of like Potter and like a couple of more business minded people wanting to get this done with it way before now. Right. But it being like another clash with the Bailey kind of, um, and the and the small town mentality of like, no, you have to like mourn this guy. Like you leave the family alone for a little bit. You let give them time until they want to come back. Right. And, and then Potter been like, what do you mean? I have to wait. It's like, he's dead. <laughs> Just get on with it. Guys. That's right. I think probably like literally like three days later, he probably wanted to get like probably the day of was like, oh, okay, well, what are we gonna do with this? With well, we, we do know that 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 Potter uh, got into an argument with with uh, Peter Bailey on that day, so you know there is speculation that that the the way that Potter agitated him actually might have caused him to have his stroke. Yes, yes, I you know, wholeheartedly it, believe that. Yeah. Again, there's there's no proof of that or anything like that. Um, once again, I mean, I've mentioned this uh, a few times already, but it's very interesting that the building and loan is on the second floor, and somehow Potter is magically able to uh, get up onto the second floor with in a wheelchair. Mm, you know, mm. so it goes back to the whole theory that he is somehow related to Harry Potter and has some sort of magic and is able to to you know to float up or something like that. 
Because and I was going to say, he's like, as Dalek technology. <laughs> it's just like, you thought the one thing that could defeat him was going up the stairs. But no, <laughs> he actually turns out the chair has like rockets in it. And he just goes up or something. He's actually, he's been part Dalek the whole time. That's uh, true. He's here to the ex- exterminate the buildings alone. That's his whole mission. Right. I mean, I always, I mean, I've mentioned this also numerous times that, you know, maybe, you know, Potter isn't really in a wheelchair. And like he gets the wheelchair to the bottom of the stairs, looks around, nobody's looking, takes off the blanket, walks up, runs up the stairs. His man brings up the, the wheelchair. They sit down. He sits back on, puts the blanket over his feet again, over his legs again. And that's it, you know, so. <laughs> that wouldn't would surprise me with him either, quite frankly. Yeah. But it's, uh, I also imagine too, though, there could have been a thing of like, you know, because it's such a small town, they were like, well, we need to put in, you know, about like a ramp for, you know, one of the, you know, the differently able to get up here. And then, like, there's been a debate amongst the Baileys of like, well, the only person in a wheelchair in the whole town is... Is uh, Potter, and we don't want him there. Is Potter. And then they have the kind of thing of like, do we just not bother? Because we don't really want him up here. But like, nah, we better make one just like, maybe it's a... I would say, like, nowadays, that would be like a building code thing. It's like, oh, you'd have to have, you know, an accessibility ramp. But back in the you know, this isn't even like the 30s at this point. This, this is no, this is 1928. It's it's you know, right now we're talking 95 years ago. Yeah, so, so they're probably like, oh, back then, like, no, you do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> no, no, right. There's no there's no building regulations. <laughs> the gut doesn't exist yet. Right. So what what I did was is I also looked up in IMDb. There there are uh, five people listed in IMDb uncredited as the board members. Okay, because I was wondering who are the these character actors that they that they have here. I'm I'm gonna quickly go through them because none of them really have so much about them, but there's some interesting stuff that I found. So one of them is is a guy named uh, Larry Wheat, who mm-hmm. was born in 1876 and died in 1963 at the age of 86. He has 128 IMDb credits. Oh, okay. Let's say yeah, back back in the day though, it was just like yeah. I'd- all working actors is like, oh, if you're in less than like 200 things, that's <laughs> like, right. you're, you're not doing it right. Uh, whatever. Like, you're, just just wait. Right now, right now we say 128. Remember that number because we're going to see some of these other people, how many uncredited uh, roles some of these people have in movies. It's unbelievable. But the the the, the, the most interesting tri- uh, trivia tidbit that I found about Larry Wheat is that he is was a member of the Maskers Club. Have you ever heard of that? Mm. No, no. So the Masters Club was a private uh, social club for actors in L.A., and they created in 1925, um, and it was created by a whole bunch of New York actors who left Broadway uh, in order to be in movies. And mm-hmm. it was it was the the club itself even produced 13 uh, short movies. And the the but the most interesting thing about the Masters Club is that in 1957. There was an actor named Raymond Griffith who actually died there. Oh. Okay. He, he, you know, I mean, it was a club, so they had meals and stuff like that. He actually choked to death while he was, you know, he choked to death on, on I think, like a rib steak or something like that. Um, yeah. He was 62 on, and this happened on November 25th, 1957. And basically the, the newspapers after he died uh, said that he died of a heart attack. And then uh, when they did an autopsy, they, reeled, they, they revealed that uh, he actually died of asphyxia. So he basically choked Yeah, with yeah. Uh, the whole thing. The thing is, though, because old Hollywood, 
like again unregulated old Hollywood. That's right. <laughs> it's like you seeing the, these bunch of guys had a club, and then somebody wound up dead in it. I was like, and they they choked, did they? <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm sure probably someone choked him, and then they're like, okay, we gotta cover this up. Exactly, it's very possible. Yeah. There was there was a lot of crazy stuff going on in the 20s, 30s, and 40s in all of the uh, you know, in, in the Hollywood scene and stuff like that. I was literally just reading the other day. I had no idea. Apparently, like it's sort of basic common knowledge that Betty Davis like killed her second husband. <laughs> And nobody, like, it was just like Warner Brothers were like, yeah, make that go away. Like this is like or her second husband showed up. It's like, oh, he's got like a cracked like a, his head's been cracked open. Yeah, he sustained an injury. And then Betty Davis was like, oh, yeah, he fell down the, 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 the stairs like a couple of weeks ago. And they're like, no, it happened much more recently than that. And she's like, well, I don't know much about that. <laughs> it's like it kind of became a thing that people like. It seems like they, she probably cracked him over the head with something, <laughs> and then he died later. And then the studios just made that go away because you could do that back in the day, right? Uh, it's yeah, true. yeah, true. And okay, so that's the first guy. I, again, I don't know which one he is. He could be any of the the people sitting around the table because you know, if any of them have any lines, they're throwaway lines. They don't really have that much to to say. You know, uh, good luck, George. Things like that. Yeah. Um, the next one is uh, Milton uh, Kibbe. Born in 1896, died in 1970 at the age of 74, um, which basically means that when this movie came out, he was about 50 years old. He has 392 IMDb credits. Woo! (laughs) I said, yeah, I said, back in the now people can't break into the movie business for love and money. That's right. Back then, it was like, yeah, he just was like, oh, you want to be in a movie? You want to be in five movies today? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I, I mean that number is just astounding. It's four four hundred. It's almost four hundred IMDb credits. Most people, you know, if they're yeah. lucky, they have like twenty or twenty five. You know, that's it. I guess it, it could have been like genuinely might have been a thing of like I guess it might have been like a working like not an extra because I guess he would have spoken lines if he got like proper credit for it. But like right. he could have been. It's like yeah, literally all on a lot. Just like okay, so can you be down here in an hour? Yeah, I just wanted to say your line. Okay. Right. Oh no, we need you up here now to do this one. It's like you know, it's twenty minutes away. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Just you know, get an old cart and go down there. That's right. And there you go. You got a, you got a guy. <laughs> and he his his most famous thing is that he is the brother of an actor named Guy Kibbe, who was in uh, Captain Blood. He was in Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. Um, he he was much a much. I, I I was about to say he was he's a much more prolific actor, but. You know, he has a hundred only only hundred and fourteen IMDb credits. So, you know, his yeah. his brother Milton now counts <laughs> him by that one. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I was going to have some pretty uh, unpleasant uh, dinners around, <laughs> around that asshole. That's right. It's like, <laughs> it's like how, many, how many movies you've been in this, in this year? Oh, 35. 35! <laughs> <laughs> I've been in 87. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, then the next two, I wasn't able to find out if they're related, but my assumption is, is they are. One of them's name is Art Howard, and the other one's name is Bert Howard. Um, uh-huh. You know... Uh, the uh, the alphabetically named children of the Howard family. That's exactly right. So There's, the thing is, is that Cart, Cart Howard was the other one. Dart came along. That's there. right. E Art. <laughs> <laughs> and and Bert Bert only has 14 IMDb credits. So you know he he must have had a real job at the time. And Art had 50, oh. which includes he was in Vertigo, Witness to the Prosecution, uh, The President Vanishes. So you know he was in some some yeah. pretty big movies also. Um, and then the final one that I found is a man named Edward Clark. 
who has 163 IMDb credits, including uh, East of Eden and Strangers on the Train. Yeah, not too, not too shabby at all. Yeah, yeah. I do kind of like the uh, like the mental image now, though, of like yeah, these jobbing actors like running from set to set to do like little bit parts and like them filming the scene and a guy been there in, in like a cowboy outfit too, who just didn't have time to get changed between movies. That's right. Go put on that suit. It's like, you're, you're in a, you're in a board meeting. You know, this is sitting there like old, like fake blood smeared over his face and stuff like, for love of God, get someone in here to wipe that off. That's right. <laughs> it's like, I got a gun smoke in like five minutes here. <laughs> get me away this along. <laughs> Although it was gun smoke wouldn't have been going at this point, I guess. I have no idea when gun smoke, I just know that it lasted forever. <laughs> so I, I think gun smoke started in the fifties. If I remember correctly. Yeah. So it wasn't, it wasn't on yet, but it, it, it's getting there. It's getting there. You can, but you can't imagine living in a time without gun smoke. Like, you know, <laughs> it's like one of those things, life before Star Wars and life after Star Wars. That's right. It's, it's, those, everyone everyone in this room right now doesn't even know what gun smoke is. Like, what kind of a world? What kind of a universe is that to be in? <laughs> well, they didn't know what Star Wars is either. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> and and most of them didn't live to to actually, of, these, of, of all these five people that I mentioned, not a single one of them uh, made it to 1977. So no, none, none of them. Uh, oh wow! None of them ever found out what Star Wars is. Oh, well, so Jimmy, what, what did um? Oh, well, Jimmy, Jimmy, well, no, Jimmy, what, what Jimmy Stewart did. But I'm saying I'm just talking about these five, uh, you know, uh, uncredited board members. None of them made it. When he got into the afterlife, he was going like, "Oh, fellas, you missed the most amazing movie that ever came out." <laughs> But it was nothing compared to this Gunsmoke show, let me tell you. Or it's a wonderful Like, we were there for Gunsmoke, Jimmy. We saw that. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Yeah. So then the, the chairman continues and speaks, to speak and says, and now we come to the real purpose of this meeting, to appoint a successor to our dear friend, Peter Bailey. So it's funny that, that he talks about the fact that now we're here at the real purpose. So what's the fake purpose? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I guess maybe this had a load of, like, you know, fine print and the technicalities to go over with. And then this more kind of like the big thing in the room is this. Everything else is just sort of like nickel and dime, kind of like, yeah, it's a little matter getting this over with and that over with. But now here's the big thing that we're all waiting to talk about kind of thing. The big thing yeah. we're all waiting so to like, talk about is is finally, you know, to, to they, you know, it's funny that they, they haven't thought about the fact over the last few months, you know, they've, they've had three months. So that should be uh, sufficient time to really think about who do we want to replace uh, Peter in his job, you know, yeah. and everyone there knows that, you know, George is not an option. George is just staying there just for the time being. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, though. <laughs> My one thing against George Bailey as a character, and I guess you know, the movie's end, I guess, you know, he, he, he changes his tune. But he's like, he's obviously a very noble man. He always steps up and does the right thing. But he's he's still kind of a bit of an <laughs> by the way, he's so vocally dismissive of the town. And he's just constantly going like, oh, I'm just, you know, rubbing my hands on this dirt water. He's bit, seems like he's swaggering around the place all the time, going like, I can't wait to get out of this goddamn crap hole and be done with you people. I'm out of here. And everyone just, everything keeps conspiring to, to hold him back. So my head is like when they're all in there voting later, they're just like, let's just really screw with this kid for all the credit. It's a perfectly nice town. 
why is he so dismissive of Bedford Falls? He's so horrible about it the whole time. No, but, like but, but it comes down it comes down to the fact that he thinks that he has something more to do in life, and what he well, needs that, to do is not there. Enough, though, but, you know. That's, like, that, that's all well and good. It's just the way he keeps talking about the town as a real kind of like, oh, I'm getting out of this dump. Oh, my God, I'm not getting stuck here. Jesus Christ. Like, it's got such a kind of negative attitude about the perfectly nice town that, like, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm headcanoning that all those people are like, I never heard him. He was calling, the, he was calling the, you know, the, 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 the pharmacy like a crapple. <laughs> Somebody was like, no, no, let's keep him here and just see this, just, just t- knock this, this guy down a peg or two. Right. Um, and let's see if he does it. Let's see if the high and mighty George Bailey will actually do it. And then they're like, oh, Christ, he actually stayed. No. And then like 30 <laughs> years later, they're like, oh, sorry about that, George. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't think you'd actually stick around. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, to have to point out, um, I do enjoy the uh, – I've never seen this done in modern, like, office practice now. He's got the, the morning band on, which I'm sure you probably talked about already. No, no, we're actually – I was I was actually going to talk about that uh, tomorrow, but we, we can talk about it today oh, yeah, if you well, want. Well, yeah. David, if you, if you feel if – you, if you've got notes for tomorrow, then I don't want to step over you. Yeah, so. we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that tomorrow. There, there is something I'm about to mention about the armband. And stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, right. So the you know as the chairman is speaking, he's then interrupted by Potter, as you mentioned earlier, is the pseudo head of the meeting, even though he's not the chairman. <laughs> and he goes, "Mr. Chairman, I'd like to get get to my my real purpose." Mm. And then one of the board members says, "Wait just a minute now." And Potter goes, "Wait for what? I claim this institution is not necessary to this town." Therefore, Mr. Chairman, I make a motion to dissolve this institution and turn its assets and liabilities over to the receiver. So, you know, we, we, we obviously can see that Potter has his uh, mot- motivations here. You know, he knew yeah. that the, he was coming to this meeting and this is what he was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I didn't kill Peter Bailey for nothing. You know? That's right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't drive him to to, to, to a stroke <laughs> in order to have to wait three months for you for you to come to a decision. You know, I think I also like the the idea too that like as you're saying earlier, like Potter doesn't even really he's not really in this wheelchair, and his whole thing is just like he likes to put on extravagant displays of power. So once they sign over the buildings and loan to him, he's just gonna stand up as if he's like somehow getting power from absorbing another another uh like local businesses like yes now i add it to my collection that's right uh <laughs> you'll be like uh you're freaking skeletor getting like you know the, the power of grayskull finally getting to him or something this <laughs> huge golden crown just appears on his head like finally the bailey building alone is mine so then that then then the whole re- that's why he hates George so much. Is like I'm stuck. People think I'm in this wheelchair. Damn it! I can't backtrack out of it now. I gotta wait until I can do the big reveal. You know. Correct. Now, I mean, I I don't know. Um, I'm not a business person. Are you Are you a business person at all? Do you like understand the business concepts that he talks about here? Oh God, no, 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 no. I mean, like I have um one of my <laughs> I remember having immense regret one time when I said to a a friend of mine. Like, oh, I, I love the film Wall Street, you know, like, you know, Michael Douglas, Charlie Sheen. But my thing is, like, I have no clue what's happening in that movie. Like, I just kind of get at the end, like, oh, Michael Douglas is bad. And then at the end, he, like, Charlie Sheen kind of screws him over and Michael Douglas starts to lose money somehow. 
And then this friend sat me down and tried to explain everything about Wall Street. And it was the most boring thing I've ever. He ruined the movie for me. Because <laughs> like, I just so do not care about how this actually works and stuff. So no business talk. No, I'm, uh, I do know people who have heads for it, who are proper like. Right. No, I'm, I'm not a business person either. So I don't, I don't quite yeah. understand the whole thing. I had to actually look it up, what the whole thing is. Because like he says that, you know, and turn it over to the receiver. Right. So for me, when you hear a receiver, uh, you know, it's a football uh, comment. You <laughs> throw the ball and the guy catches it. You know, that, that yeah. that's the whole idea. But the the uh, based on what I looked up, a receiver is someone who will uh, who's able to run the company to maximize the value of all the assets and sell the company off or part of it uh, in order to try to, to to make some money over something that is being closed. That, that's the, yeah. the they're basically supposed to, you know you, the, the company uh, you know whatever number however much money they have in their accounts and you know taking into account how much they have to pay for things so that's I guess the assets and liabilities that they're talking about there and then the whole idea is, is that okay you know let's turn it over to some government official who's able to to basically carve up the this this institution and salvage what you can you know I guess that yeah. that's more yeah. or less the the idea that uh, that he talks about here. I think I always find that kind of stuff like a little intimidating, almost. Yes. Because particularly now, because I just watch it, and I'm like, I'm in my 30s. I still have no. This feels like very adult stuff. Yes. And I have no idea what's happening. It just it, it makes me it, it, it infantilizes me a little bit because I'm yes. like, I still have no clue what the hell this is. Like, right. And I probably never will do. I'll never I'll never be a proper adult because I just don't. <laughs> I don't I'm not interested in like sitting around boardrooms having to discuss like how to break up a business and who owns what. It's like, no, God damn it, it's like, this, this is just not for me, you know. Right. But that's right. And then Uncle Billy jumps up, and you can see he's really upset. And he goes, Potter, you dirty contemptible. And then he turns to, to to George and goes, "I'll wring his neck." And I'm like, "Okay, that's just you know he's in the room." <laughs> I guess the idea is that you you know you don't want to uh, say it directly to somebody. <laughs> I do one yeah. thing I do appreciate that he, that he won't get arrested. He won't get arrested for for threatening him by saying, "I'm gonna I'm gonna ring ring your neck." So he says, "I'm gonna ring his neck." <laughs> I do enjoy though how consistently like. Um, open about their utter, utter contempt for Potter the Bailey's are. Like, throughout the whole movie, George just has this real, like, no matter if Potter, everything Potter says to him is always very, like, fake smile, like, you know, just trying to, like, the niceties of society to be like, oh, you know, we can all be gentlemen here, George. And George always, like, barks back with, like, a, oh, go f*** yourself, you old piece of crap. He just hates him so much. (laughs) Exactly. I guess that's one thing like Julia George, honest to a fault. That's why that you know most people would like if you were in a town you didn't like, you wouldn't go around going like oh, I can't wait that you know get out of this goddamn hole. Uh, but George can't do it. He can't be just like you know be polite. You know, and he's and he's always guy. hated no. Potter. You know, even when he was a kid, he hated yeah. him. It's probably because he knows that he's just like I know he's not. He doesn't need that wheelchair, and he's just trying to do. He's going to wait to do a big friggin' like look by by finally destroying this business and is revitalizing. He's going to whip off his bald cap and stuff and have long like Potter's only thirty five years old in this scene. That's why George is so pissed. He's like, I know this, everything about this guy's a fake. <laughs> he's either thirty five years old or he's like an ancient evil 
that's existed for like thousands. I, of years. I think it goes more to the, the idea that he's an ancient evil because you know the the idea is is that that he's been he he doesn't look like he's aged at all in the in the you know twelve years since the first part of the movie took place or sorry in the yeah. nine nine years since the first part of the movie took place and and throughout the rest yeah. of the movie he still looks the same you know he doesn't age at all it's gonna be like a uh... People putting together like a history of Bedford Falls project, and they go like all like photos from like the 1830s, and in the background is like, is that is that Potter? <laughs> it's just like him still sitting there, the same look in his face. <laughs> they still got the same the same butler guy is <laughs> there beside him too. That's right. He mu- must have made a deal with the devil at some point. Yeah, it's just he's just the Pennywise of uh, of Bedford. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Pennywise disappears for for years along the way. You know. The- Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe that's why. Maybe it's because Potter doesn't hibernate. Yeah, that's why he's so old. Maybe if he went, if he went to bed for twenty-seven years, he'd come out as a as a spry, lively clown guy <laughs> with like balloons and stuff. But he's just so tired. He's like, ah, I can't even be bothered to walk that's anymore, right. man. I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna float up the stairs. But other than that, I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, to wring someone's neck is is an idiom that uh, that that basically means that you're just very angry with somebody, which obviously. Makes a lot of sense for this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And then as Uncle Billy continues talking, he goes, George, did you hear what that buzzard? Now, I I like the fact that he calls him a buzzard. Mm. You know, because usually, uh, I mean, what what would you think if you're calling someone a buzzard? What do you think that that theoretically means? Well, I mean, like the, I, th- I think, and I know that in this context, I guess he's what he's saying is that, like, you know, instead of it just being like, well, a buzzard's a big ugly bird, so it's kind of insulting and saying that he's that he's ugly, uh, but also just the idea of something picking at the dead. That's right. Is like literally like circling o- overhead, waiting for the things completely down, and then coming in and making your move. So it's just like, yeah, in Billy's mind, like the whole the business is done basically. But he's just like, yeah, Potter's been waiting here for this moment and just, like, going to go over. And it's borderline calling him, like, a grave robber in a way. Right. No, I, I, I look at it and, you know, the idea of calling him a buzzard, as you said, he's, he's there to pick up the pieces, pick up the dead pieces and deal with it. But, I mean, also the, the definition of a buzzard is a person who is either very lame or uh, – mm. Uh, it says or whack. I don't really know what that that, that that reference really means. But the idea is that it's saying very lame. But, lame but I think, or I think, that's, that's that's very modern terminology. Whack. That's right. Like, that's proper. Well, I say it's that's like it's not modern. It's like it's about twenty years old now. Right. <laughs> but like yeah, so I'm saying someone's whack is just like yeah, saying that they're 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 bad. Like this, yeah, that's whack. Right. You know? No, but I think I think it goes to the point that maybe they're saying that a buzzard is a lame uh, type of creature because what it does is it just waits. And and feeds off the you know the the what the, the things that are straying at the end what's left you know that type of thing yeah I think that's the yeah. the whole yeah. idea here of what he, what he's trying to say and then mm-hmm. one of the other board members goes Mr Chairman it's too soon after Peter Peter Bailey's death to talk about chloroforming the building alone so again the the idea of saying chloroform forming chloroforming so you know before they're talking about you know, sending it to receivership and and picking it apart and stuff like that. Now someone's just referring to just just uh, you know putting it to sleep. The whole idea of, of chloroform yeah. of chloroform is that you you put someone to sleep for a certain amount of time. You know, it's not it's not mm-hmm. you're you're not trying to kill something. You're just uh, I guess putting it 
putting someone to sleep, and then they're going to wake up and they can continue. So it's just very, very yeah. strange uh, terminology to use that. And then we get all of these uh, these people, these businessmen start chatting, blah, 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 blah. and then then we we get to hear Peter Belly died three months ago. I second Mr. Potter's motion. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, here's someone else who's basically saying, why did we have to wait three months for this type of thing? Let's just get rid of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the idea of, of uh, you know, you have someone who, who makes a motion, and as long as someone else agrees with it, then you can continue, and then you have to have a vote on that motion. You know, that's the way that the, the yeah. process of handling motions is and, and stuff like that. Yeah, because again, it's so heartless though in that as well. Like again, it's only been no, but it's been, been three months, months. and also that, that, you know the, the what has been you know has the building alone been working properly over the last three months? They don't even discuss that. They don't say whether okay, Peter Bailey's not here, so things have been running to the ground over the last three months, or Peter Bailey is not here, but everything's great over the last three months. I mean, they they, they keep that very ambiguous. Yeah, yeah, but there's a, it's just a little rough too, like a, considering like. To have to potentially say to these people like, yeah, so, you know, your father and brother is dead. Uh, and also now your business might be like kaput <laughs> as well. It's kind of like, uh, it's an extra, you know, I can understand wanting to wait to be like, oh, okay, so now I have to also break this thing to you that like, you know, this business might not be able to continue. But uh, in the, you know, the whole movie is basically about how uh, capitalism uh, destroys you. <laughs> so it's a, uh, and it is a, is a tough, harsh mistress. So, um, yeah, I can imagine like business minded men just been like, just tear the bandaid off. Like, yeah, he's dead. The business is gone. Why are we waiting around to talk about it? Just get reality check, man. Just, you know, knock yourself into the real world here. Yeah, um, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's the, the, the uh, way that this, this whole thing goes. And then the chairman turns to, to everyone and goes very well. In that case, I'll ask the two executive officers to withdraw. But before you go. I'm sure the whole board wishes to express its deep sorrow at the passing of Peter Bailey. So once again, it's been three months. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're still going to say it, you know, over and over. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess, you know, maybe because it's, it's a formal meeting, though. It's just one of these things. It's just like, okay, so we just all have to, you know, just it's a, it's a formality of going like, now we're having to officially talk about it. I guess once again, even though we've said it like five times That's right. <laughs> over the last three months. <laughs> We're yeah, we're about to close you. We're here. about to close you down, but we are very very grateful and express our sorrow over over everything that happened here. You know that type of thing. Yeah, and I guess if George and Billy weren't there, I'd imagine they'd be like, "We're not going to say that's that. right. <laughs> like it's just because like oh, there's these families here, so we better say it. that's thing. right. Just to make sure. I mean, they think that we care, right? Know, that kind of thing. And then George goes, "Thank you very much." And then the chairman continues, goes, "It was his faith and devotion that are responsible for this organization." So by saying that statement, he basically says that, okay, Peter Bailey is the building alone, nobody else. You know, without yeah. without Peter Bailey, this wouldn't have happened, which which is somewhat besmirching to Billy. You know, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Billy doesn't have the, um, <laughs> like, as the movie goes no, on. He doesn't have the, the, the... Still a lot of confidence in you. That's anyway. right. So it's like... Uh, oh, oh, okay. Then I go. Exactly. Um, and that's okay. He can uh, he can get another job. He's only he's only fifty. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get yes. there. Yes. And then uh, Potter goes. I'll go further than that. I'll say that to the public, Peter Bailey was the building alone. 
So what what Potter is essentially saying here is, is that if Peter Bailey is not around, there's no need for the for the building alone. People aren't gonna aren't gonna think to come here if Peter Bailey is not around. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then uh... Billy jumps up and and says, "That's fine, Potter," and then he gets cut off because the the minute yeah. ends. You know, so it's it's we're, we're we're leaving things at a very tense moment where there actually is a little bit of arguments between between them. So people arguing with Potter. I mean, that, that's that's wildly unorthodox. That's right. But, well, it's only it's it's only the Baileys. Nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> there is nobody else here that 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 is agreeing with that is is willing to to go up against Potter. Yeah. <laughs> so who knows? That, that's pretty much all I have to say about this minute. You have anything else you want to say about the minute now? No, I'm not this. Not this. No, nothing about this minute that can't be said for other minutes as well. That's true. So every Monday we have a segment called Capra Monday, where my guests will give their top five Frank Capra movies. Start from number five and work your way up. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as well as looking into his uh, his IMDb, he's like, oh my god, he made so many films like this guy as well. But um, I think yeah, uh, my top five would be so you want to go from the bottom yeah. up. Mm-hmm. That uh, that's what we're going. Uh, I'll go for um, Lost Horizon. I remember watching that uh, during university, um, and I re- get really enjoying it. To be fair, but it's the one, it's the movie I kind of I just remember the I'm like oh yeah, it's like a plane crash and stuff in it, and I, nothing else about it really stuck with me. So um, I sort of put that down. I was like yeah, you know, all of them. Yeah, Lost Horizon. No, I'll put that in there. Uh, then um, Arsenic and Old Lace. Ozzy classic, you know, absolutely love it. The only problem with it is that it's so like uh, howlingly, like obviously based on a play. Like it's just so like yeah, this is basically you just put the camera down and just let the play play out. Like you know, it's it's so stagey and stuff that um, you know nowadays you adapting things to film, you kind of tend to like well, you want to not give out that vibe. But you know, obviously back in like whatever it was like forty six or whatever it was made. Um, it was, uh, you know, they probably weren't thinking about things like that. There was like, oh, you just literally, you literally just film the play. Um, after that, then I put uh, probably Mr. Smith. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Okay. Um, it's um, yeah, it's a great film. I have no, I have no beef with Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Just like, uh, and um, I think I w- once did pitch a um, a movies by Menace project based around Mr. Smith goes to Washington, but it was just to try to create the longest ever episode. So it was basically someone filibustering about one minute of Mr. Smith goes to Washington Mm. for like 12 hours if they possibly could. And just bringing in new guests every once in a while. And just been like, we're still here. We're still talking about minute 14 or whatever. Uh, But sadly that project never came. I thought you were going to get like Batman Uh, to join in on it or something. That's the thing, you can go crazy with it. But then it's just like, it'll become like an art installation. It's like, well, who's going to actually sit and watch the whole damn Right. Uh, or listen to the whole damn thing. I know you probably get, you got to know one or two people who probably be like, no, I'm dedicated. I have to listen to the whole thing. But um, yeah. I don't know if you you end up having to split it up. And then that would defy the point of the project then. Um, uh, and then from that, uh, I would go, let's see, one that I have down is, um, oh yeah, it happened one night, which is like, yep, yeah, I know that was. Uh, was that the first of the big Oscar suites? Yep, it was the very first. Yeah, the very first yeah. one. And, you know, deserved it because you watch that film. It's like, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. I, have, uh, I absolutely love that film. Um, and then, yeah, I actually would put this as, like, 
this is like the Frank Capra movie. It's a Wonderful Life is is the top. To be fair, it's a, kind of the one like it's you know synonymous with his name. If you think of the term Capra esque, it's usually what you're thinking of is is a Wonderful Life. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a movie I hadn't um, I didn't see until I was like in my late teens. It's it's not as it's not as prevalent over here mm, as I think it is in the U.S. It had so much more of a of a reputation. Um, but it's one that, yeah, multiple viewings I appreciate more, particularly as you get older, too. Like, when you watch it when... Watching it in my teens, I was like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. Like, it's okay, yeah. Um, I don't, and then as you go through life, <laughs> and life hits you in the balls a couple of times, and then you get to, like, I think I'm the same age as Jimmy Smith, or Jimmy... Uh, not Jimmy Smith, oh my God. <laughs> Jimmy <laughs> Stewart, when he, when he made the movie. <laughs> so, like, actually watching it this time, I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's, like, literally my age, I think. Or maybe he may, might be, like, a year or two older than me, but it's like, it, it felt so much more like, oh, no, now I, now, now I get this much, much more um, than I had previously. So, and yeah, I think it's, a, it's an excellent film, so... That'll be my, my, my five Capras. All right. Very cool. Um, Thank you very much for that. So now you want to tell people where they can find you. Yeah. Uh, the main show you can find me on is uh, Bat Minute, which is a project I do with my friend John Parker. Uh, we've been going for like six years now. Uh, but yeah, we break down and talk about the Batman films uh, one minute at a time. We've gone through the live action movies from 1989 up to 97, so that's, you know, ending at Batman and Robin, and now we'll hop back in time. Uh, we just finished a season on Mask of the Phantasm, the 1993 animated movie. Um, and yeah, we uh, have a great time over there. We just, you know, getting all sorts of guests. We've been going, we've, we've, we have delved deep, deep into Batman lore <laughs> at this point. Uh, and yeah, I'm very proud of that show. So um, if anyone wants to hear me narrowing on excessively about Batman and Many, many other things, because we do go on tangents. Um, yeah, you can find us on at, at Bat Minutes and on all social medias. Uh, if you just type in Bat Minutes, we will, we will be the thing that pops up. All right, very cool. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Movie Rob Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on my website, MovieRobMinute.com. So, until tomorrow, hot dog. I love you truly, truly dear Life with its sorrow, life with its tears